In Philippians 3, Paul condemns people who try to serve God in the flesh and says the true people of God are those who serve God by the Spirit. But how is that done exactly? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We've been studying through the book of Philippians, and we are in chapter 3, where Paul has been describing the difference between the true people of God and the, the ones who are not true people, the legalists who think they're the people of God because they follow all the rules, but they're not. Legalism is the approach that 99.999% of the people in the world take to trying to become a good person. Legalism is when you say, I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a good person by living up to a certain set of standards. And uh, that's what religious people do. That's what secular people do. Atheists do. Everybody does this. This is the approach everyone in the world takes. And Paul is very clear. Anybody who takes that approach is lost. They're not going to heaven. Even if their list of standards, even if they're saying, I'm trying to be a good person by living up to a list of standards that comes right out of the Bible. Even if your list of standards comes out of the law of God, if that's your approach to becoming a good person, you're not on your way to heaven. So those people are not the true people of God. So who is the true people of God? And the answer to that is in verse 3, Philippians 3, 3. It is we who are the circumcision, which is another way of saying it's we who are the true people of God. The chosen people. Why? What is it that makes us the true people of God? Two things. Verse 3. They are the source and the object of our worship. That's what makes us the true people of God. The source and the object of our worship. Verse 3. We who worship by the Spirit of God. There's the source. And who glory in Christ Jesus. There's the object. So, So we worship Christ and we do so by means of the Holy Spirit, um, and then that last phrase, who put no confidence in the flesh, that just applies to both of them. That's the opposite of both. So instead of confidence in the flesh, we rely totally on the Holy Spirit and Christ. So let's take a close look at both of these, the source and then the object. First, the source, the Holy Spirit. So he says we worship by the Spirit of God. Our worship doesn't originate with us. It originates with the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the two most common Greek words for worship in the Bible are proskuneo and latruo. Proskuneo has to do with the attitude, the posture of worship, the attitude of worship. Latruo, which is the word used here, is more of an action word. It means to carry out the religious duties of worship. So that one focuses more on the first one on attitude, the second one on action. Latruo is about action, the activities of religious observance and serving God. That's the word that Paul uses here. He's picking a word that is really going to appeal to the Judaizers, to these legalists. They love this word. They love them. They're all about duty and actions and observance and works of the law and so that's so so Paul uses that word and notice what he what he doesn't say he doesn't say look you legalists you judaizers are way off base because you you're 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 focusing on serving and working and striving and doing all this stuff but we're the true people of God because we don't we don't focus on works and service and that's not what he says 
It's not the approach he takes. The problem is very important to get this. The problem with the Judaizers and the legalists was not that they were serving God. Their problem was that they were serving God without the Holy Spirit. Paul says, you serve God, we serve God. But we're the true people of God. You're not simply because we do it by the Holy Spirit. And, And the reason I say that's so important to get is because a lot of people are confused today. They think that legalism is just when you get to working too hard. You, you, you get to working too much and uh, you, get, you get out of balance or something. That's not the case at all. Serving God, working, um, those are wonderful things. We saw that in chapter 2. We're going to see it later in chapter 3. Uh, that God doesn't want us to be dormant. He doesn't want us to just sit. Worship involves action and moving and doing things and working. The Christian life is a whole lifestyle of serving God. That's Romans 12.1. uses the same word, Latruo. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of Latruo, service, worship. So action, the way you live, that's involved. Work is involved. Rigorous work. We're going to see that in verses 12 to 14. The problem with the legalists is not that they were overboard on works. It's that they did their works from the flesh. That is their own, their own strength rather than from the Holy Spirit. And anybody who does that, anybody who tries to serve God without the enablement of the Holy Spirit, not part of the true people of God. Okay? So this is an important issue, right? I mean, this is not a small thing. People who serve the God, God in the flesh will go to hell. People who serve God by the Spirit will go to heaven. This is a huge thing of whether or not you're serving by the Spirit. So let's just talk about how this works. Let me just let me just show you how salvation works. It starts at conversion. The moment you first place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you first believe. At that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's Ephesians 1.13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. And having believed, you were marked in him with the promised Holy Spirit. So you get the Spirit right away. Every Christian has the Spirit. Romans 8.9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So you get the Spirit as soon as you're saved, as soon as you believe. And at that moment, when you first believe, you first get the Holy Spirit. At that point, the Holy Spirit then activates the Christian life in you. If you think, uh, just, just, just think of the Christian life as being like software, computer software. And uh, if, that, if that were the case, the, the creator of the software is God the Father. Jesus paid the price to purchase the software for us, but it's the Holy Spirit who then takes it and installs it in your heart, makes it a part of you, and operates it. Everything that's anything in the Christian life that you do is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Everything. If you try to pray and it ends up being a real prayer, it actually works, the, the, the Father listens to that prayer, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. Any flicker of love that you have in your heart for God, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not natural. Natural people don't love God. They can't. If you love God at all, that's being caused by the Holy Spirit. If you do anything that glorifies God, anything that pleases God, that's the Spirit. Romans 8.8 8 says that those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. They can't do anything that pleases God. Only the Spirit can. If you have a submissive posture towards the Lordship of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.3 says no one can do that except by the Spirit. No one. 
That's the Holy Spirit. If nearness to Christ's presence is more desirable to you than the pleasure of sin, if that ever happens, where he's like, I'd rather be close to Christ than, than enjoy this sin, if that ever happens, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That does not happen. A natural, normal human being is not capable of seeing Christ Jesus as more desirable than the pleasures of sin. They cannot do that. Now, they can try to resist sin and try to say no to it and try and follow Christ all they want, but they can't ever see Christ as being more desirable than the pleasures of sin. They can't do it. Only the Holy Spirit can work that in somebody. Anytime you use your spiritual gift, obviously, that's the Holy Spirit. If you ever read something in the Bible that used to bug you when you read it, you're just like, but, but now you read it and like... Your heart welcomes it and, and loves it, just drinks it in. It's like, yes, yes. That's the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you have joy in the Lord, anytime you take delight in the experience of one of His attributes, anytime you receive peace from God or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness, self-control, any, all of those are byproducts of the work of the Holy Spirit. Every part of the life, every single part of the Christian life, every detail of presenting your body as a living sacrifice to God is the work of the Spirit of God. Now, that's not how it always was. In the, in the Old Testament time, it wasn't like that. The Old Testament saints didn't have the experience of the Spirit like we do. They, in, in the Old Testament, basically what happened is in certain special occasions, certain special leaders, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, empower them, they would deliver Israel, and it would just be this momentary thing, and that happened to just a few people on some rare occasions. But the prophets came along in the Old Testament and said, there's, there's coming a day when the Messiah comes, there's going to be a whole new age, and it's going to be different because I'm going to put my Spirit in all of my people. Oh, I'll get the Spirit. And Jesus said that right before he died, John 14, 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He lives with you, he will be in you. So he says, right now, uh, he's just with you, he's going to be inside you. We have, in the New Testament era, a greater experience of the Holy Spirit than even the greatest Old Testament saints and kings and prophets had. The Spirit is constantly at work in you, 24-7, changing your desires, changing your motives, changing your outlook, the way you see things, the way you perceive things, changing your behavior, your words, making you more and more like Jesus Christ. Constantly doing that. That's why we have no confidence in the flesh. We're the true Israel because we serve that way. We serve God by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. The flesh meaning our own human efforts. Any religion, get this, any religion that can be done without special enablement by the Holy Spirit is not acceptable to God. Not acceptable. Any religion that can be done by a natural human being not acceptable to God. The only religious activity that God will accept is that activity that comes from His own Spirit. So, here's the, here's the key question. Where does that leave us then with regard to the law of God? Should we strive to obey it or not? I mean, if we, uh, we, we don't want to be legalists. We don't want to be saying, well, I'm going to be a good person by living up to this. And yet, it seems like we should obey God if He tells us to do something, right? So, so, where, what, what do we do with the law? People get so confused about God's law. 
People get confused about it because they think that if it's the Holy Spirit acting, then I must be passive. And so you get people that teach that. Just be passive. Let go and let God. As if you had to let God. As if, you know, God is, the Holy Spirit is just paralyzed until you go limp and let him do something. Is that what the Christian life, living the Christian life is where you just sit around and sort of wait for the Holy Spirit to start moving you like a puppet? No, no. Remember, we saw right back in chapter 2, verse 13. It's God who works in you to will and to act, right? But, but then he works in you to will. And what's your role in that? Verse 12, therefore, work your salvation with fear and trembling. So, uh, so it's not an either or. We are active. So... If we're active, we, we see commands in the Bible and we obey them. And they're seeing commands in the Bible, they're trying to obey them. What's the difference? We're both seeing commands and trying to obey them. What's the difference between us and the legalists? The difference is, when they see a law in the Bible, they say, oh, a law, I'll try to obey it. And that's as far as it goes. What, what do we do? When we see a command in the Bible, we say, what, well, I have to do that? Wow, I'm going to need enablement from the Holy Spirit to do that. And so where do we run? We run to the Holy Spirit. We, we try to... Move closer to the influence of the Holy Spirit so that we'll, so that He'll work this in us. So in Galatians 5.16, it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You're struggling with the flesh, you're struggling with the desires of the flesh, you just, you just walk by the Spirit and then, and then you'll have victory. So, so we pour out our energy and we work hard, but what are we working hard to do? We're working hard to get closer and closer to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Well, how do you do that? How do you expose yourself to more influence from the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a few ways. The most obvious one is just ask him directly, right? Prayer. It's like, Holy Spirit, please enable me. <laughs> that's just, that's not rocket science. Another way is through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17. And then another way is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts, which comes through fellowship with the saints. And that goes both directions by the way fellowship is is you serving people through your spiritual gift and other people other saints serving you through their spiritual gifts both directions that's fellowship okay so those are the three basic ways scripture prayer and fellowship that's how you expose yourself to the ministry of the holy spirit learn what the bible says and pray for enablement and devote yourself to fellowship. And the more you do those three things for the purpose of drawing near to the Spirit, the Spirit will activate the Christian life in you. He'll install that software. He'll act. He'll work it. He'll do it. When the Bible teaches us about how to think about the persons of the Trinity, the emphasis for God the Father is to think of him mainly as up in heaven above and to think as of Jesus mainly as between heaven and earth, mediating between us and the Father, and of the Spirit as with us and inside us. Those are generalizations. There are exceptions, but generally speaking, that's the picture we have. So it's the Spirit who's depicted as closest to us. As you go through the day today, give a little more thought than normal to the Spirit, what He's doing how he's moving in your heart, what his will is, how to keep in step with him. Subject yourself to his influence today through scripture, prayer, and fellowship, and give thought to how you could consciously, intentionally be receptive 
to what he's doing. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.